Well, good morning, Journey. Uh, it's good to be with, with you today. Just a quick update on how our harvest offering is going. As of Friday, we've received $27,856. So I want to thank you guys for being generous and giving towards that. Uh, we can, you can continue to give towards our harvest offering over the next few weeks. Uh, let me just encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, supporting that work. You know, some of the rarest jewels of the world out there. One of them is called the Hope Diamond. It's probably the most famous. Uh, this, the Hope Diamond pictured there is 45 carats, and it's estimated at between 200 and 350 million dollars. Now, the last person to own it and wear it publicly was a lady named Evelyn Walsh McLean. And near the end of her life, I love this, she, she wrote a memoir or autobiography entitled Father Struck It Rich. <laughs> I thought that was appropriate, you know. But you can now see the Hope Diamond when you walk through the Smithsonian Institution. But sorry, it's no longer available for purchase. Now, if you are in the market for some rare diamonds, there, there are some on the market today. Um, one is called the Pink Legacy. And Pink Legacy is almost 19 carats uh, in weight and is currently owned by Harry Winston, who paid $50 million in 2018. And he now says he's open to offers. So guys, grab your debit card and do a little Christmas shopping for the Pink Legacy. There's, a, there's other gemstones in out there that are even more rare than these two diamonds. Um, did a little research this week. Um, there's gemstones like, the, like a cashmere sapphire, extremely rare, extremely valuable. There's a Burma ruby that, that's, again, is extremely rare. Imperial jade is also very rare and valuable. Um, and natural pearls. This was surprising to me. Uh, most, most pearls that you buy today are farmed. They are, they are set up in the, these oyster beds, oyster farms, and they're very controlled environment. But natural pearls found in, in the wild are extremely rare and therefore extremely valuable. And the most, most valuable natural pearl ever found was found um, on, um, just off the coast of the Philippines. And this picture here shows that it's 26 inches long and it weighs 75 pounds. And I don't know about you, but that looks more like a blob than a pearl. But this pearl um, was found by a local fisherman and he, he literally kept it under his bed for 10 years as a good luck charm. And it's currently valued at $100 million. So that's a pretty hefty good luck charm to keep stashed under your bed. So Christmas is coming. Guys, these are all available for purchase. I know your bride is looking for a pearl like that to wear around her neck. But the rarest jewel of all, the one that we all want yet seems so elusive, so rare, it's not a gemstone, it's not a diamond or a pearl, but it's contentment. It's contentment, it's that state of being completely at ease, completely fulfilled in the, the stage of life that you are at. Complete satisfaction, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and materially completely at ease. Now, for many of us, we might slip in and out of contentment at times, yet for many, it's, it's never found. 
We get to the place where we think we'll be content, and then lo and behold, it's like, oh, there's something else that comes along, and we want that. Well, today we are in week two of our sermon series called The Power of Thanks, and we come today to Philippians chapter 4. So if you brought your Bibles or if you have your app, open up to Philippians 4 as we look at a short passage of Scripture. Now, the book of Philippians was written by a man named Apostle Paul, and in our Bibles it's actually a letter written to the church in uh, the city of Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece. Paul visited the city of Philippi around the year 51 A.D., and he started and established a new church there at that time. So fast forward about 11 or 12 years, and he writes this letter. He picks up his quill, writes this letter to the church at Philippi, and in chapter 4 of our Bibles, verse 10, here's what he writes. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So as you step away from work for a day or two this week, let me point out three lessons this morning. Three lessons that will help you step into this Thanksgiving holiday with a heart that leans a little closer to contentment and thanksgiving. So three, three lessons on thanksgiving and contentment because really they go hand in hand because a thankful heart is a content heart. Well, first, thanksgiving is learned. It's something that we can learn over time and through practice. Because two times in this passage of Scripture, in verse 11 and verse 12, Paul says that he learned contentment. Now the Apostle Paul, the author of this letter to the Philippians, he experienced both wealth and poverty in, in his days. Now, during, during his ministry, we read about in Acts chapter 16, um, where when he went to Philippi, he was hosted and stayed with a very wealthy uh, merchant of, of cloth named Lydia. So he would have experienced and known what the wealthy lived like and, and what they were like. But he also knew the pain of hardship, the pain of poverty. You know, his, his job experiences as an apostle, uh, he, as he went around and established new churches, he experienced a lot of pain, a lot of hardship. For example, in 1 Corinthians 4, here's what he writes, To this very hour we grow, go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags and we are brutally treated and homeless. We work with our own hands. So the guy knew hunger and thirst. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, and hard work, and sleepless nights, and hunger. It ma makes you want to go start a church, doesn't it? Well, then later in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, here, here's the ultimate job description for, for any pastor or church planter. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and day in open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have no hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Sounds like the kind of job you just want to jump into, don't you? But as Paul was going throughout this era and time and, and region, planting new churches and, and encouraging Christians, that's the kind of life that he was living. So Paul knew what it was like to have plenty, and he knew what it was like to be in need. He knew what it was like to live a hard life. He knew abundance, and he knew what it was like to go hungry. But you know what? Paul learned contentment as he followed Jesus. And I think the same is true for us. You know, as we do life with Jesus, as we step into being a disciple with him, it, we learn the meaning of thanksgiving and contentment. It's, we learn it as part of that process of being a disciple. And really, it, it's a discovery method. In other words, it's something that is caught, not taught. So, contentment is not found just by taking a class and checking off a box and or it's not even found through a short-term one-off crisis and unfortunately the sermon today does not meet the requirements of a certification in contentment you know i'm not going to hand out any diplomas after today so that we can say yeah now i'm content we learn contentment through experiencing need and through experiencing excess or plenty. So both in the schools of prosperity and in the schools of poverty, we're going to encounter the same question that speaks to our heart, and, it, and it's this, is what we have enough? So whether you're wealthy or poor, in whatever mindset you are, we have to answer that question, is what you have enough? Physically, materially, you know, socially, because discontentment isn't removed when, when you become rich or when you become poor because it's really a heart issue. In Proverbs chapter 30, we read this, Two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me and give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I love that proverb because it's really a prayer for balance, isn't it? It's a prayer for balance in life. It's a prayer that's saying, what I have is indeed enough. And we learn the same way that Paul learned as we follow Jesus. You th th think about your life for a moment. Any new skill that you want to acquire, it takes training and repetition and practice, doesn't it? When I learned to play guitar, and I practiced and I practiced, I looked at chord charts, I learned the different chords, I practiced strumming patterns and picking patterns, and, you know, I would watch videos, and I would just put in the time and build up calluses on your fingertips to be able to play guitar. 
So if you want to be a better musician, put in the time to practice. If you want to be a better writer, for example, put your fingers to the keyboard and practice writing. Pick up pen and practice and hone your skill. But, but what about a matter of the heart? Can you retrain your heart? Well, yes, you can. Now, it might take like years of counseling to do it, but you can retrain our heart and our attitude and how we think. Because we have the freedom to choose how we respond, don't we? We can pray a prayer like Psalm 30 and a prayer of balance. Lord, don't give me too much, but just give me what I need. Give me what I need to get through today. See, the beauty about being created by God is that through his power, our lives can change. Through the power of the Holy Spirit within us, our lives can change. So just some practical tools. You know, for me, I I often open up my journal and I'll just write what I'm thankful for. And that's a good exercise. It's a good, you know, prayerful time of writing. Remind myself what I can be thankful for. So this week, as we sit down at the table for a Thanksgiving meal, you know, ask the question, what are you thankful for? Or maybe just make it your regular practice in the early mornings. If you get up, if you like to sit down, open up your Bible, have your morning cup of coffee there, just stop and pause and begin your day with a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, I'm thankful for another day. I'm thankful that you can use me today. And open up your scripture and do some reading that day. So whether it's, a, whether it's a holiday, whether you stop and, and say thanks, or hopefully a regular practice in your life, just make it that habit to stop, pause, and say, hey, here's what I'm thankful for today. Well, Thanksgiving is learned, but Thanksgiving is also unconnected to our circumstances. So Thanksgiving, that means it doesn't increase or decrease based on material possessions. More stuff won't bring contentment, and neither will less stuff. Now, I know that's a preacher thing to say, and and you kind of expect me to say it, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that on a Sunday morning sermon. But you know what? We often know that here, but we don't know it here. And... Even I, I'm, I'm prone to think sometimes that if we just have a change in circumstances, then I'll have more contentment. I'll have more joy. If I just had this or if I didn't have that, then things would be better. We always keep thinking and looking for a different setting, don't we? I, I read this week a short little um, writing called Present Tense by a guy named Jason Lehman. And here's what he writes. He says, It was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was autumn, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. I was a child, and it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 30 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. I read that, I was like, man, that describes 
so many of us and describes me at times. But the interesting part is Jason Lehman, who wrote that, he wrote it when he was 14 years old. <laughs> like, there's, there's a young guy with a lot of wisdom. But do you ever feel like that? Do you ever, do you ever think, well, if I just have this or if I'm just in this different place, then, then I'll be satisfied. You know, that there's a reason that like Costco and Sam's Club put their large 80-inch TVs right by the entrances. You know, every time I walk into Costco, I see the 80-inch UHD TV and I start to drool. You know, it's like, man, if I just had that, man, my life would be so much better. You know, and every time they put all the electronics right up front, and I am a sucker for the latest electronic gizmos and gadgets. Just ask Dory. I mean, just over the years, it's like, oh, something new comes out. I got to have it, you know. And, and they do that on purpose because they're creating and marketing discontentment. But on the other side, the other side of the spectrum says, this mentality says, well, if I just give up all my stuff, then I'll be content. If I give it away, if I just move, move to a mud hut in the remotest part of Africa or the Philippines or wherever, then I'll be content. You know, if I turn in my iPhone and my iPad and my MacBook and I just had a flip phone and paper and pen, then I'll be content. Well, no, not necessarily. Because contentment and thanksgiving is a place of the heart. It has nothing to do with what you own or don't own. That's why we can say a thankful heart is a content heart. You know, one of the missions that Journey Christian Church supports is a new church effort in Hastings called Forge Christian Church. And a friend of mine, Pastor Willie Tryon, is pastor there, and, and he began that new church work three years ago. And, and he got to Hastings with a large vision, a large heart, and he started... Uh, diligently working to establish a new church, and then COVID hit. And that impacted their, their new church efforts. But yet, still, they're not where they wanted to be, but yet Willie can stop and pause and rejoice. And recently, Willie took the time to reach out to Journey and say thank you for our support for their church work. So take a look at this video that Willie sent. I didn't let her Bible, didn't let anything about God really, other 
You know, we, we play a part in that new church work in Hastings. And I love Willie's attitude. Instead of just lamenting where they could have been and, and blaming COVID, he stops and says, thank you to us. Thank you for our partnership. And what did he do? He celebrated what Jesus was doing in the life of that young lady. And as I watched that video, man, I just reminded that Thanksgiving has nothing to do with our circumstances has nothing to do with the size of the church that you're working in. has nothing to do with whether, you know, your vision or plans are working. It has everything to do with the place of the heart. And when we have a thankful heart and a spirit of content contentment, that makes us flexible and adaptable. You know, for that new church work in Hastings, they started out with plan A, and then they had to go to plan B and C and D, and now they're like way off the original intended course. But God is still moving. God is still changing lives. When we have that spirit of contentment, we're flexible to live on mission. We're, we're flexible to uh, live on mission regardless of church size or bank statement. Or We're flexible to reorient our life because we're centered on Jesus and not some lesser thing. So Thanksgiving is, first of all, learned. Second, it's unconnected to circumstances and thirdly, it is connected to Christ. Contentment really is rooted in our relationship with Jesus. It, it flows out of our reliance on Christ from our, from our union with Him. Philippians 4.13, the section that we read today, ends with a well-known verse of Scripture where it says, I can do all this through Him, Jesus, who gives me strength. Now, Philippians 4.13 is, is an often quoted but misapplied scripture. It's, it's not a comprehensive statement that says, I could do everything under the sun through the power of Jesus. I mean, it doesn't matter how, how often I quote this verse and how much faith I have, I still can't slam dunk a basketball. I still can't run 100 meters in 11 seconds. It's not a question of unbelief. Those are a problem of my lack of skill and ability. The fact that I have no basketball skill. But I love how the, the NIV accurately captures this when it says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Well, all what? Paul's referring back to this idea of contentment in the midst of all circumstances. We've got to keep it in the context of... of what Paul is writing in Philippians 4. So it's not a verse about being great in sports or being powerful about anything else. It's not a verse about random powerful things, but it is a verse that points us to Jesus in the midst of plenty and need. It reminds us that thanksgiving is connected to our faith in Christ. 
And therein lies there's the power of and the secret behind contentment because Christ alone is enough. See, Paul isn't preoccupied with our, his situation or his circumstances. He is preoccupied with Christ. That's why he can say, I can do this contentment thing through the, the strength that Christ gives me. Now, what he tells us is that we can either focus on Jesus or we, we have the option to crash into discontentment, and complaining and deceit or greed. A, a few weeks ago, we had a, a missionary here from Pioneer Bible Translators, and he gave us an update and talked about uh, Bible translation uh, that the Orenbergs were doing in the island of Vanuatu in South Pacific. And ju just this week, I got their latest um, newsletter, and I was reading through it, and I thought, man, even missionaries who've given up everything struggle with that. So here's what the Orenbergs write. Um, it said, Dear prayer partners, with blogs, YouTube, Pinterest, and so many other social media outlets, it's easy to feel sorry for ourselves. We wonder what's wrong with us when we don't have eye-catching photos and success stories to post. Yes, even missionaries experience this when we read email from other missionaries about their break breakthroughs when we are struggling, or when we see newsletters that share how God has provided new recruits and new missionaries when we wonder why none of them are coming to our island. And then he says, remember the story in John 21 where Jesus predicted Peter's death, and Peter turns around and asks Jesus, well, what about John? And Jesus said, what is that to you? You follow me. So instead of following on social media or subscribing to this or that channel or, or befriending other people and comparing our situation with others who are or seem to be better off, we should remember the many who do not have peace in this life or hope for the next. We should be thankful for the grace that we have received and obey Jesus' command, follow me. See, there's a missionary couple that knew, know what it's like to have plenty and know what it's like to be in need. And he just reminds us to follow Jesus because journey Christ alone is enough. Following Jesus is enough. So find your strength in him, strength to be able to rest in whatever circumstances you find your life in. Well, do you know what I love about my wife, Dory? There, there are many things, but, but we were married, this coming summer, we'll be married 30 years. So about 30 years ago in December, next month, I gave her this little chip of a diamond, you know, more, more like a flake of a stone. We were, we were in, in Bible college at the time, and we didn't have any money, but, but I still bought a small diamond, and I asked her to marry me, and I'll let you figure out if she said yes or no. But what I, what I love about my wife is that she has cherished that little chip of a diamond like it was the hope diamond itself, like it's more valuable than the pink legacy. And she has brought it to a jeweler to, to be cleaned and examined every six months, twice a year, every year for 30 years. 
And every time that she goes to the jeweler, they always try to upsell her to something bigger, something flashier, and she always replies, this is enough. Journey, Christ alone is enough for you. The power of thanks is found in the power of Jesus. It's found in knowing Jesus man, as, as the one that we need, all that we need. I want to ask the praise team to come back up this morning. And, and this weekend, this week, as, as you take time out of your schedule to enjoy a Thanksgiving meal, and stop and express your thanks for what Jesus has done, for knowing that he is enough. So today, let me just encourage you to take a step towards connecting with Jesus. Say yes to him this morning because he is all that you need. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that Jesus alone is all that we need, that Jesus is enough. And Father, as we take time to celebrate Thanksgiving this week, may we also take time just to celebrate you and what you have done and are doing in our lives. So Father, may, may we be reminded of who Jesus is, of what he has done, and may we be reminded that he is all we need. We pray this in your name. Amen.